The left-wing pressure campaign against Spotify and Joe Rogan continues with critics claiming the popular podcaster is using the platform to spread dangerous misinformation about COVID-19. Of course, by misinformation, they mean anything that contradicts current consensus, which seems to change every few days. We'll take a look at the left's efforts to silence those who challenge consensus in tonight's Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. Joe Rogan has a very big show, big podcast, a lot of people listening to it. And he is not a Republican, not a conservative. If anything, he's a man center left in his political beliefs. He was a Bernie Sanders supporter in the last election. And yet people listen to him because he asks questions. A lot of people, I mean, of all political persuasions, he asks questions and seems genuinely curious about the answers. He lets his guests talk and he does not shy away from not just controversial issues, but even controversial opinions. So that has led to the left deciding that he must be de-platformed. That's right. He is at Spotify and the little crybabies of the left are whining about it as they always do. Here is Joe Rogan now having to explain the problem of, as they call it, misinformation on his show. Watch this. The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Like, for instance, eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID, you would be removed from social media. They would, they would ban you from certain platforms. Now, that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work, you would be banned from social media. Now, that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. If you said, I think it's possible that COVID-19 came from a lab, you'd be banned from many social media platforms. Now, that's on the cover of Newsweek. All of those theories that at one point in time were banned were openly discussed by those two men that I had on my podcast that have been accused of dangerous misinformation. Let's understand everything he says there is true about misinformation and how what is the consensus keeps changing because the consensus has often, especially about COVID, been wrong. But beyond that, why do they use this term? Why not just say lies? Why not just say information that's incorrect? Well, because it's not about accuracy. It's about opinion. It's about the way you assess facts and data as it comes in and then what you advocate for as a means of policy and government action. There is now officially consensus being forced down everyone's throats all across the country from the federal government on COVID policy. It's true of many Democrat states as well. They don't want people to be able to say, hold on a second, what are you basing this on? Where's the data to support this? It's shut up or else. That's why they use the term misinformation, because it's broad, it's vague, it's a political term, as opposed to factually inaccurate or lies, which people would say, well, hold on. What is the misinformation? What has been said on Joe Rogan's show, for example, among many other shows, that would qualify at Spotify or on the left in general as misinformation? They never give you any specifics on that. They don't have an interest in telling you, really. By the way, Spotify has announced a new content advisory policy. This is what they wrote today. We're working to add a content advisor to any podcast episode that includes a discussion about COVID-19. This advisor will direct listeners to our dedicated COVID-19 hub, a resource that provides easy access to data-driven facts, updated information as shared by scientists, physicians, academics, and public health authorities around the world, as well as links to trusted sources. Does anyone really think 
that this is going to do anything? That anyone's going to listen to a Joe Rogan or any other podcast for that matter and see some COVID content advisor and go, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to go read a whole bunch of stuff on the CDC website. That sounds like a plan. No, if anything, people have recognized that the CDC has been wrong so many times that if you trust it at this point, you must enjoy being deceived. You must enjoy uh, being told that something is true only to find out later on it wasn't true. And you had to obey in the process too. This isn't just stuff that people are saying. There are policies, there's government action that's being taken based upon all this. Yeah. Here's Dr. Peter Hotez, by the way, on CNN, just to give you a sense of how extreme the combating misinformation needs to get. And Dr. Hotez is on CNN saying that Homeland Security and DOJ, that's right, the the arm of the government that prosecutes people, you know, it's got the FBI, it's got federal prosecutors in it, that they need to work on combating misinformation. Watch. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying, you know, for the last year and a half that the Biden administration has to realize that that anti-science is a killer, disinformation. Yeah. It's not even just disinformation. It's, this is an anti-science empire right now, and we need Homeland Security. We need the Justice Department. We've really got to figure this out, and, and the health and health and human services will not be able to figure this out on their own. We've got to figure the HHS can't figure it out. We've got to figure this out with DOJ, Homeland Security. They want to treat people that disagree with their vaccine policies as criminals. You understand that, right? I mean, they make it pretty explicit now. Some of them even come out and say it. You're not allowed to say the vaccines that, oh, how old do they work again? Oh, yeah, let's just remember what the consensus position was. In March of 2021, this was said on MSNBC by their biggest, most highly paid, most watched host. And I just want to know, was this misinformation? Here's Maddow back in March. Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading, sickening some of them, but not all of them, and the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it, and then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were, right? Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person, potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug-resistant along the way, now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more. That's just not true. It's not a matter of opinion. It's a matter of fact. That's not true. Now, she may well have thought that because that was the consensus at the time, but they were wrong. Does that count as misinformation now? Just wondering. Meanwhile, there are more and more voices now calling for outright censorship under this guise of misinformation. And some of them are absurd beyond words. Well, we'll try some words, actually. Glenn Greenwald, for example, in response to Chelsea Clinton saying that Joe Rogan should be censored and deplatformed, Greenwald wrote this on his Substack. Um, he said, this post on uh, this uh, attack from the Washington Post on Substack provoked expressions of serious concern from good, responsible liberals. That included Chelsea Clinton, who lamented that Substack is profiting off of, quote, grift. Apparently, this political heiress, who is one of the world's richest individuals by virtue of winning the birth lottery of being bored to rich and powerful parents, who in turn enrich themselves by cashing in on their political influence in exchange for $750,000 paychecks from Goldman Sachs for 45-minute speeches, and who herself was showered with a $600,000 annual contract from NBC, despite no qualifications, and by the way, I would note zero talent, believes she is in a position to accuse others of grifting. She also appears to believe that despite welcoming convicted child sex trafficker Ghislaine Maxwell to her wedding to a hedge fund oligarch, 
whose father was expelled from Congress after his conviction on 31 counts of felony fraud, that she is entitled to decree who should and should not be allowed to have a writing platform. So she wants Substack actually to go after people. It's not even about Spotify with, with Chelsea Clinton. Um, she's just a part of the grotesque elites who believe that they're better than people and no more than people for no apparent reason whatsoever. And in fact, if anything, are just greedy, selfish, and atrocious. So yeah. All right, thousands of protesters, including a convoy of truckers gathered in the Canadian capital of Ottawa this week in an opposition to vaccine mandates, masks, and lockdowns. Coming up, we'll talk to Rebel Media reporter Adam Sose about Saturday's rally and what's gonna turn into in the weeks ahead. But first, let's talk about the stock market. The market's very volatile. One of the few people who predicted the 2020 crash is warning that something really big is coming in 2022. His name is Mark Chaikin, and his newest prediction has gone viral with 1.5 million views. I've met Mark. He's a 50-year veteran of Wall Street. He's a very smart guy. I'm encouraging you to pay attention to his message. According to Chaikin, a historic event in 2022 will cause a massive shift in the wealth divide, and it's going to affect anyone who owns stocks. He's predicting that a new form of technology is going to disrupt everything and change the way thousands of companies will need to do business in 2022. It will affect everyone from Apple to Amazon. And he says that if you watch his full brand new warning free of charge, you can go right now to check it out at 2022stockmarketmessage.com. That's right. That website is 2022stockmarketmessage.com. All one word, 2022stockmarketmessage.com. You'll see stuff you won't see anywhere else. We'll be right back with more. Hold the line. Canada, the sound of freedom coming from our neighbors in the north as thousands of truckers are vowing to stay parked in the capital until the government repeals its vaccine mandates for truckers. But as the freedom fighters in Ottawa hold their ground, the CBC reports that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is now considering even stricter vaccine mandates for truckers, saying, quote, the country is disgusted by the behavior displayed by the protesters. But is that really the case? Let's ask reporter for Canada-based Rebel News, Adam Sose, who was on the ground during the protests this weekend. Adam, thanks for being with us. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So in your latest report, you said that this weekend's gathering felt much more like a victory march than the weekly protests Canada has seen the past two years. How so? Tell us more about it. Yeah, there is definitely a palpable energy. Um, I, I spoke with Pastor Arthur Pawlowski, who's been arrested a number of times for daring to open his church, and how he defined it, uh, I think, was probably better than I ever could. Um, he effectively talked about uh, uh, sowing seeds and working for all this time in the same faces, uh, maybe a few hundred or a few thousand people coming out week after week for almost two years now, fighting for freedom. Um, this, the truckers have taken the lead and taken the reins and it feels like the country is more united than ever. All the way from the West Coast, the convoy made its way across the country. I'm in Calgary here and there now in Ottawa, but we had in a city of 1.2, 1.3 million, thousands of people take to the streets here in Calgary. People were on the streets of Vancouver. Across the country, for the first time in a long time, people were unified and people were rallying and people were saying, 
enough is enough. Um, the extent of the response from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and the state-funded media outlets to vilify this peaceful, friendly, exuberant uh, protest speaks to how effective it is. It says nothing about the actual people who are very friendly, but it certainly speaks to the impact that this rolling convoy is having. So, so Justin Trudeau earlier today uh, said on, on video, and it's, it's made its way around now in the news cycle, that he would not be a part of this protest because there is violence associated with it and the breaking of laws. Is, that, is there any truth to that whatsoever at this stage? No, it's absolutely a mischaracterization of what's happening here. He has also repeatedly stated that anyone basically unvaccinated um, or amongst those ranks at least are misogynists and racists, despite the fact that, say, black communities are the most vaccine hesitant out of any. Um, it has been mischaracterization since, since the start. Um, the media has been complicit in this as well. Um, we saw a Terry Fox statue um, commemorating a Canadian hero who uh, made his way at least partway across the country on one leg, uh, running to battle cancer. Um, and what had happened is a group simply put a sign by it, hung a flag, a Canadian flag off of him, and they meant it to be a sort of celebration. Now, obviously, I'm not necessarily in favor of that, but there was nothing disrespectful intended about it. They said it was defaced. Mere months ago, people put masks on it and put pro-vaccine signs, and that was adorned. They call that adorning it. So there's a clear double standard, a clear juxtaposition. What the media isn't showing is the fact that a group of people went back afterwards and scraped the statue clean, um, polished it up and everything. There's even a bit of graffiti at a store nearby and people were there in the morning with razor blades very carefully scraping the graffiti off the store window. So this is nothing like some of the BLM protests we saw in the United States with looting and rioting. Um, it's very peaceful. There's even tons of footage of people uh, with garbage bags going around cleaning up. Listen, this group invited our boss, Ezra Levant, who happens to be Jewish, um, to go speak to the entire crowd. One of our reporters, Mocha, who was following this convoy all the way from Calgary to Ottawa, is a Turkish Muslim, and he was invited first and foremost to be in that group. It is categorically uh, incorrect that there is racism and such. Don't get me wrong, with any group of any size, you're going to have fringe elements. The question is whether they're fed placed there or whether they're actually individuals who hold those views. But regardless, they're being escorted away from the group pretty quickly um, by the truckers just about as fast as anyone else. So There was a Trudeau, Prime Minister Trudeau tweet today. He wrote, I know this pandemic is frustrating. It's frustrating that after two years, we're not done fighting COVID-19. But over the past few days, Canadians have been shocked and frankly disgusted by the de behavior displayed by some people protesting in our nation's capital. I mean, what's he basing that on? I mean, yeah, sure, there's a bunch of, of libs out there who will get their 15th shot and triple mask and it never ends for them and they don't care. But is there some widespread anti-trucker movement in Canada that we should know about? Because it seems like a lot of people are saying it's about time. Yeah, no, the, the sentiment and from the people I'm talking to, when we go to the streets, when we're attending these protests, we've got people who are self-professed uh, LGBTQ activists attending this, supporting it. We've got members of all backgrounds, all faiths supporting this. Um, the general consensus is either like, they're 100% on board, or they understand why they're doing it, but it's not their thing. Uh, the amount of people that I've actually talked to who are strongly 
opposed is non-existent. These tend to be social media pundits, and they tend to be people who are getting a paycheck from the government. These people are quite simply standing up, and it wasn't the media generally. I mean, we might be the one exception in a few other independent outlets. It wasn't the academics. It wasn't even the doctors. It was none of these other people. It was the truckers, the blue-collar people who stood up, rolled up their sleeves, and led the country. And I think ultimately, and this does not reflect most Canadians, um, the, the vast majority of Canadians did not vote for Justin Trudeau. It's something like 20% of Canadians. It's just how our electoral system works. But I think Justin Trudeau, and I think the type of people who are in these cushy government jobs who haven't suffered the wrath of these lockdown measures and restrictions, I think they have an underlying bias, if not outright discriminatory attitude towards working class people. I think truckers are just the people that they're making an example of. And it's not necessarily the same thing as, say, the southern United States with truckers, um, from my understanding, a largely white industry. Um, in Western Canada, there are countless Sikh and Indian-owned and manage trucking businesses, and these folks are rolling with the convoy as well. So it's a false characterization of this movement. You can see from the footage yourself, you can see from the ground, it is a very festive atmosphere, a party atmosphere. These people are calling for political action, but they're not looting, they're not rioting, they're taking to the streets in a peaceful fashion. Um, to your point about is there anything whatsoever going on? Well, there are some questions, for example, in Ottawa, some pathways are being cleared. But the, the most you could possibly suggest is that some roadways are being blocked and that some trucks are being parked illegally. Um, certainly that's the case. There is an emerging situation. I'm here in Calgary and Alberta. At the border between Calgary, uh, sorry, with, between Alberta and Montana, Coot Sweetgrass, um, RCMP, which are effectively our federal police and local police have moved in with tactical style teams because there are trucks actually blocking the border there. Um, so there's actually a high tense situation where they're negotiating. And I believe for the time being, they've opened one pathway. Um, but that is the situation right now that the world is watching. But 10, I think something like nine or $10 million has been donated to this cause. And the organizers of this convoy said that they have the resources to keep these trucks in Ottawa for two to four years. So the organizers, their intention is to stay until these mandates are revoked permanently. Thanks for being with us, bringing your reporting to the show. We appreciate it, Adam. Happy to be here, thanks. All right, as truckers are rallying in Ottawa, the American media was already preparing to discredit them. Coming up, we'll talk to the host of Human Events Daily, Jack Posobiec, about how it's being talked about in this country. Right now, I wanna to talk to you about protecting the most important asset you own, your home. You have homeowner's insurance for a good reason. Without it, a fire, flood, or burglary could destroy you financially. But there's another major crime your homeowner's policy doesn't cover. It's called home title fraud. The FBI says home title fraud is one of the fastest growing crimes, and it can ruin you financially, which is why you need home title lock. Title fraud happens when a criminal forges your signature on documents stating you sold your home to him. Then he takes out loans against your home and leaves you with the payments. You'll spend a fortune in legal fees trying to prove you didn't commit fraud. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone from a cyber thief to a renter to a relative trying to forge their way under your home's title, they help shut it down. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Enter code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Human Events Jack Posobiec joins us when we come back. As the convoy of Canadian truckers and their supporters rolled into the nation's capital city of Ottawa Saturday to protest Justin Trudeau's vaccine mandates, the American media didn't seem to appreciate the truckers' freedom of expression, pretty mildly. 
Listen to what uh, good old Joe Scarborough had to say about it. Protesters rallied against vaccine mandates, masks, and lockdowns. Where were these protests when people were required to take get five vaccines to start school? Where were these protests when people were required to give their children five vaccines? They were in the doctor's office getting they, vaccines. They were in the doctor's office getting vaccines, and they were making fun of left-wingers on the West Coast. Yeah. It's a cult. <laughs> a cult? I don't recall Joe Scarborough or anyone at MSNBC, for that matter, setting the same opinion about the Black Lives Matter riots in the summer of 2020. You know, the rioters who burned cities to the ground? Hmm. Joining me now is the host of Human Events Daily, Jack Posobiec. Jack, good to see you. Buck, always a pleasure, my friend. So first off, how's it going up in Canada with this freedom convoy? Tell me what's happening. Well, this convoy has turned into a variety of different things, but what we're really calling it now, I think a lot of people, they're referring to it as the honking, because you're hearing, if you watch these live streams that have been going out from Ottawa in late into the night, continuing on to this morning, they actually had a rave out there last night. They were playing uh, loud music and just dancing out there in Parliament Square with these big rigs just honking again and again all throughout the evening. Justin Trudeau apparently has fled. He's giving press conferences up from some, uh, it seems like he's in a cabin in the woods somewhere. Of course, he brought he brought his, uh, his parliamentary podium with him so that he could give speeches from the front porch in front of like some logs of wood that he's using to keep warm. But what's also happening down away from, all the way on the other side, Western Canada, there's now a border crossing checkpoint between Alberta and Montana that's essentially been blockaded by truckers on the Alberta side saying, we are not leaving, we're going to stay here, we want the mandate to be dropped. So you're seeing a lot of stuff going on. Ottawa's kicking off. You're also seeing lots of people that are supporting the truckers from all around the world. Jack, is it looking like this is going to continue on for, for days, perhaps even, even weeks? And, and you mentioned it's growing. Are we seeing this movement spread elsewhere, not just in Canada, but around the world? Well, I think it is. I mean, if you look at these GoFundMe funds, they've raised over $10 million for this effort. So it's not a paltry sum. Plus, you're also seeing people who, you know, I've been watching videos of this where they've filled their trucks full of supplies before they went to any of these protest areas. So they already were pre-planning to dig in for the long haul. Obviously, they know how to do a long haul. They're truckers. They're literally truckers. That's what they do for a living is long hauls. So these guys are planning to dig in. They don't want to move. Obviously, this is the backbone of our of the the entire economy. If you know you're worried about getting stuff on your shelves, bare shelves, Biden down here in the United States, these are the ones that literally control what is on your shelves in the supermarkets. Now, in terms of it spreading, we're starting to hear some stories about a potential U.S. convoy that would potentially want to head to Washington D.C. as one of these things. So, on to D.C. kind of movement. Now, it's uh, kind of kind of still in the formation process there, so there aren't a lot of details on how exactly that's working, but you're also seeing people, images of trucks, people sending videos from all across the world, Europe, uh, down in the South. Um, so many people really looking forward to just saying, look, you know, we want to honk on, we want the honking to continue, and the honks will continue until freedom improves. Here's a little flashback for you, Poso. The uh, Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister apparently in hiding right now, tweeted, while many of us are working from home, there are others who aren't able to do that, like the truck drivers who are working day and night to make sure our shelves are stocked. 
So when you can, please thank a trucker for everything they're doing and help them however you can. That was back in March of 2020. Here is uh, Trudeau today, Jack, essentially calling them a fringe minority and ignoring them, won't even meet with them, won't talk to them. Why did you feel it was important to come to the event? Because I want to fight for the freedoms of Canada and my grandchildren and my kids. I plan on staying until it's over, until Justin resigns, all mandates are lifted. I would ask him if he's going to listen to the people and let the people have a choice, because we don't have a choice in his legislation. All right, so there was a trucker, actually, Jack. Um, but what happened to the, the Trudeau that liked the truckers? Well, let's hear this guy. I'd love to have him come down and talk to the truckers, meet with them. They've asked they'd like to meet with him. It does look like they're willing to negotiate. I mean, after all, this is Canada we're talking about, all right? When the Canadians are protesting, you know things have gotten out of hand. I can't even begin to, I can't even think of anything else that's ever happened in history, right? In terms of maybe the War of 1812, where the Canadians were this much up in arms, right? This is a really unprecedented. And the fact that it's Canada leading the way is just amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Some of the videos of them out there in the cold, by the way, we're talking, uh, it's 10 degree weather in Ottawa right now, right? This is not exactly happening uh, in, you know, in, in good weather, good times, but they're out there, they're singing, oh, Canada. They're saying, we just want to be able to do our jobs. We don't want these repressive lock, uh, lockdowns and mandates and more medical tyranny be placed upon us. You're even having, hearing people, by the way, out there who are vaccinated saying, look, I might be vaccinated because I took that choice, but they're saying, I don't want to impose my will on others. And it's a beautiful thing, Buck. It's actually people standing together in solidarity for freedom. Speaking of freedom and solidarity therein, Jack, there's a recent Monmouth poll, opinion on the following statement. It's time we accept that uh, COVID is here to stay and we just need to get on with our lives. Overall, 70% agreed. GOP 89%, Democrats 47%, and independents 71%. So essentially now this has become the, the dead-enders of COVID zero foreverism, or whatever you want to call it, are all Democrats, and they refuse to see that what they've wanted to do hasn't worked and it's not going to change. Yeah, if you're in, you know, either Canada or the northern blue states, right, these are the only places where you're still seeing these repressive um, mandates and lockdown type policies. Like I'm unfortunately here in regime occupied Washington DC, the national capital region, where I can't go sit down at a restaurant with my kids. We can't, I can't take my kids to go see a movie because we're unvaccinated, right? You need a vaccine card to be able to live in Washington DC right now. But if you go across the border to Virginia, you're perfectly fine. If you go anywhere in the South, right? From Florida, Texas onward, it is almost like COVID hasn't been going on for the past 18 months and people are just getting on with their lives. And I think as a people, we have to decide that we're not gonna let the government tell us to do this anymore. Look, February 1st is coming. I see a lot of people tweeting about this, Feb 1, we're done. I love that, I love that feeling. Feb 1, we're done. There's no more 15 days to slow the spread. It's been two years, we're done with this thing. We're now moving on. I also want to tell everyone to go check out Jack's op-ed that this year's Olympics will double as Xi Jinping's coronation. The Communist Party chairman Xi Jinping is poised to open the 2022 Beijing Olympics. Jack's got a great op-ed on that one. Go check it out. Jack, where do folks read it? 
Appreciate it. Uh, Human Events Daily, wherever anyone is found, Twitter, Getter, Rumble, all the usual places. Good man, Jack. Thanks for being with us. God bless, Mark. With record numbers of migrants continuing to stream over the border, leaked video showing angry Border Patrol agents tearing into Homeland Security Chief Alejandro Mayorkas and Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz. We'll have more on that with candidate for Texas Governor Alan West coming up. First, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise that your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and security application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and is offering instant messaging and email. It's all secure. With Secure, your communication is based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without any of the big tech platforms. Look, privacy is a big issue now. Secure will never mine your data and will never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. Costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. Candidate for Texas Governor Alan West is up next. Stay with us. U.S. Border Patrol is fed up with their leaders in Washington, and they're not holding back. A newly leaked video shows agents lashing out at Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and Border Patrol Chief Raul Ortiz during a recent meeting with the two officials in Laredo, Texas. Watch this. We don't give up. We stay focused. We continue to do the job and the mission that we signed up for. We all signed up for it. We all raised our hand. It's not hard to say it. It may be hard for you to say it, but I've been doing this for 31 years. It's not hard for me to say it. Every day I wake up and I'm committed to this organization and I'm committed to each one of y'all. We say the same thing, but it seems like the policy's not. you keep releasing criminal You're getting bogged down in the policies and the politics. You can't say illegal alien. What's happening? That's why Chief Scott left. You just said it. You can't hear the problem, Chief. For, for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. That's I can't hear you. For evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. That's exactly what's happening there. Good men are doing nothing. You're allowing the legal aliens to be dropped off communities. One Border Patrol agent also yelled about the U.S. experiencing record high fentanyl deaths last year. As we know, the border being wide open means there's a lot more of that happening than ever before. Ortiz acknowledged that agents are frustrated by record high illegal border crossings. But is an acknowledgement enough to actually do anything about the influx of migrants coming into the states? I think we all know the answer. Let's dive into the realities of our border right now with candidate for Texas Governor Alan West. Alan, good to see you. Good to be with you, Buck. Thanks so much. So what's just your your gut reaction when you see mm-hmm. some of the men and women of Border Patrol who are doing this job day in and day out, essentially calling out this administration at the top level and saying, We're not even allowed to do our jobs. We're not allowed to enforce the law. It's like the Constitution Mm -hmm. doesn't matter anymore. No, they were spot on. And I was proud to hear them quote Sir Edmund Burke, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. And this is a loss of command leadership. This is a loss of the the position that you saw there with that, uh, the head of that organization in that sector. And for him to be challenged like that openly by those Border Patrol agents lets you know that they don't respect that leadership and they need to have better leadership. And the exact same thing we're seeing in the Texas National Guard here, where the Texas National Guard 
are starting to speak out about the deplorable conditions that they're in, the lack of proper uh, equipment, ammunition, the lack of a clear mission, task, and purpose, and the rules of engagement that give an advantage to the cartels, who are really a terrorist organization. So I think that people that are putting their lives on the line, they don't want to be a political optic, they don't want to be a tool, and they want to honor the oath that they took to the Constitution and not just to a politicized administration. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has previously admitted the Biden administration's border policies are, quote, not particularly popular with U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Alan, you understand what that actually means in terms of what these policies are. How is the current Biden administration, the Biden regime, making things harder for people who are actually trying to enforce U.S. law when it comes to the border? Mm -hmm. Well, I was just down there on the border last week, uh, about two days ago, from Laredo all the way over to uh, McAllen and all stops in between. And I will tell you that it's very frustrating when you have an administration, as we saw in Brownsville, it's a catch and release. Uh, these Border Patrol agents, they're sitting there and they're just turning over these illegal immigrants over to these non-governmental organizations, 501c3, not-for-profit organizations, Catholic Charities, Lutheran Ministries, and all they're doing is becoming the travel agencies for these illegal immigrants. Back during December, we had six aircraft that took off out of Texas, landed in uh, Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Prior to that, Westchester County, New York. Prior to that, Jacksonville, Florida. Prior to that, Nashville, Tennessee. And so why are these young men and women going out there, putting their lives on the line when they have an administration that has just said, we don't care about the constitutional duty that we have to protect the sovereignty and protect every state in the union and their sovereignty from invasion. Here's uh, Joe Biden, by the way, on the border crisis right now. Wanted to have you react to it, Alan. Watch. You know, there's mm -hmm. a, there are gangs we're working on. There's a whole lot of illegal uh, um, movement. So he says there are gangs. There's a whole lot of legal movement. What's he doing to address this? He's not doing anything to address this. And I will be frankly honest, uh, Governor Abbott is not doing anything to address this. We should revoke the licenses of these 501c3s that I just mentioned, Catholic Charities and Lutheran Ministries for what they're doing down here, aiding and abetting human and sex trafficking, drug trafficking. We should designate the cartels. They're not a business organization, they're a terrorist organization. And we should wholeheartedly go after their assets that they have here in the state of Texas and all along the border uh, and freeze those assets seize those assets. We need to make sure that we're not offering up all these taxpayer-funded benefits to people coming here illegally and stop just putting them on airplanes. The fact that you can be in America illegally and you can show your arrest warrant as a means of identification to get on an aircraft, you got to be kidding me. Jen Psaki, meanwhile, Alan, is out there trying to say that you know, this administration is has nothing, nothing but praise for Border Patrol agents, big fans of the job they're doing. Watch this one. Of course, uh, the role that uh, Border Patrol agents play um, in uh, ensuring security and safety uh, at our borders is something that there's great value for in this administration. So what do you make of it? I just got to tell you, every time I hear Jen Psaki, she reminds me of Baghdad Bob, so detached from reality, so misunderstanding of the situation. And really, for the Biden administration, everything is going like they planned. They're happy to have 2.5, 2.6, maybe 3 million illegals have come across this border. Record number for the month of December, 178,000. And I'm sure the numbers are also going to be high for January of this year. And that's what they want to see. And that's why they want to vote in right 
Rights Act because they don't want to see a picture ID to vote. They don't want voter registration role review. They just want uh, unsolicited mail-in ballots, mail-out ballots. And so when you see this flood of illegals coming across, and of course the Voter Rights Act will grant illegals the ability to vote in the United States of America, that's what this is all about. So I, I give no heed to what Jen Psaki says whatsoever. You know, Alan, there was a lot more attention last week on the border that had been in a while because the audio and video started to make the rounds of people involved in these migrant flights into New York. For anybody mm -hmm. who thinks that they're not in a border state, under the Biden administration, every state is effectively a border state because mm -hmm. of the policies they're, they're dealing with right now. Here are some of the pilots talking about what they've been doing with flying these illegal migrants all across the country, in this case to Westchester Airport in New York State. Watch. Obviously. I get the whole secrecy and all this but this is even about my Yeah. You know what I mean? And why? You know why? You know why. Yeah, I know, but why? Why? Yeah. No, but uh, what's what's the big secret? Everybody knows it's happening. You know why? Alan, why the secrecy? The secrecy is because they don't believe in transparency. The secrecy is that they don't want people to know that they are intentionally and purposefully and unconstitutionally trying to undermine not just the state of Texas, but the entire United States of America. The progressive socialist left, these Marxists are totalitarian tyrants, and I think we see that happening. And again, this is one of the main reasons I'm running for governor, because we need to have strong leadership at the state level that pushes back against this absolute rejection of their constitutional duty to protect the sovereignty of Texas, the sovereignty of the United States. Alan, good luck to you in the governor's race and thanks for being with us as always. A New York City actress is facing harsh criticism after posting disturbing comments about the funeral of a fallen NYPD officer, Jason Rivera. We're bringing details on that story, the despicable response from this woman in tonight's Quick Hits. Black Lives Matter purchases a multi-million dollar mansion in Toronto, and while California students suffer in school with masks on, Governor Newsom and other California leaders are attending sporting events maskless. Never gonna end, folks, but let's get into it in tonight's uh, Quick Hits. Uh, first, this is, look, I don't go to celebrities for anything when it comes to politics, but we do expect just human beings to act with some decency, especially uh, in the aftermath of two officers gunned down in cold blood in New York City, members of the NYPD. But New York actress Jacqueline Guzman had some thoughts that she wanted to share about the funeral for Officer Jason Rivera and what it did to the streets. Watch. We do not need to shut down most of lower Manhattan because one cop died for probably doing his job incorrectly. They kill people who are under 22 every single day for no good reason, and we don't shut down the city for them. So, like, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. What if somebody is having a heart attack in this area? Nobody can get to them because it's all blocked She's off for one cop. She's astonishingly stupid. I mean, just start with that. But um, the notion that the officer is doing his job poorly or wrongly 
it's also just not, it's a crazy thing to say. She clearly has no idea. It's not true at all. And then also the police shooting people for no reason every day. You have to wonder how it's possible to go through life so ignorant, but also so sanctimonious at the same time. It's remarkable. But if you're a Democrat these days, you can get away with that for sure. That's the way it goes. Just say things that are anti-cop and feel good about yourself, no matter how stupid and disrespectful it is in the process. By the way, you know, Black Lives Matter has purchased a $6.3 million mansion in Toronto. Hmm, it's from the New York Post. Black Lives Matter transferred millions to a Canadian charity run by the wife of its co-founder to purchase a sprawling mansion that had once served as the headquarters of the Communist Party. M4BJ, a Toronto-based nonprofit set up by Jenea Khan and other Canadian activists, snagged the 10,000-square-foot historic property for the equivalent of $6.3 million in cash in July 2021. So you want to talk about a grift running the apparatus of BLM? It'd be quite lucrative, you know, and probably get all kinds of fun tax breaks for it, too. To do what exactly? To undermine cops in the United States at a time when violence is rising rapidly and when people are dying in unprecedented numbers on the streets of major cities, because of that undermining of law enforcement from the police level all the way up to the prosecutor's office, this is what Democrats have done in this country. Uh, another thing Democrats have done is show us how hypocritical they are when it comes to the mask mandates that they insist are so necessary for our safety. But do they really believe that? Here's a photo of unmasked Magic Johnson and California Governor Gavin Newsom at the NFC Championship game in Los Angeles. Even masks are mandatory in California schools. So if you are a school kid, you have to mask up for eight hours a day. In fact, you have to use a surgical or N95 mask for eight hours a day. Yeah. And here's a photo unmasked of Magic Johnson and LA Mayor Eric Garcetti and San Francisco Mayor London Breed, the NFC Championship game in Los Angeles. So adults who actually can have bad outcomes from COVID don't mask because they're powerful and important in the case of these individuals, while they're demanding that our children, for their safety, mask up all the time. It is so appalling, my friends. Um, and it shows you that they're not serious about what they say, um, but they have power and they're going to abuse it. And that's what they've been doing all along. Now you got two teachers with a cringeworthy vaccine cheer. Watch this one. Do. It's like people just don't believe us anymore. I know, I know, Nicole. You know what? These people would rather just listen to some random person or somebody on social media. I bet they couldn't even pass Mr. Jenkins' ninth grade science class. What if we created the, the perfect cheer? That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next, folks. Shields high.